Hey guys, welcome to the Gala Podcast. It's me, Bish. Long time no see. Yeah, it's been a while. Corona has obviously delayed a few episodes and stuff like that. But hopefully by next month, we'll be back in the groove. We'll be talking about gaming. But it's just going to be me today because I want to talk about Persona 5 and a lot of differences between the games, between Scramble and between base Persona 5. When I mean Scramble... I mean the upcoming Persona 5 Strikers. Anyway, before we get into the episode, I want to thank our sponsors, JList, Japan Crate, and Crunchyroll. Remember, if you do want to support our show, make sure you support our sponsors. But if you can't support our sponsors, support us by sharing this on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Let's talk about Persona 5 Strikers. So, Persona 5 Strikers, we're getting a Western release this year. By the time you're listening to this episode, the game would have already been released, which is pretty awesome. Hell yeah. So this game, I actually wished it or memed it into existence. And Nathan from Koei Tecmo in a previous episode, maybe four years ago, asked us, what existing IP do you want to see Koei adapt? And my sister said, fairy tale. And we did get a fairy tale game last year. And I said, I want to see a Persona Muso. And guess what? Four years later, we got the release of Persona 5 Strikers in the West, which is pretty cool. Obviously, it took a year for it to come to the West compared to Japan. I think Japan got a release in 2019 or late 2019, early 2020, etc. We finally got the release and I'm guessing it's probably because of licensing who was going to publish it in the West. Possibly that might have been the reason. And also voice acting, especially during COVID. I don't know how the hell these guys managed to do voice lines during COVID, which is very difficult. If you want to know how that's done, tell me because I'm really interested to find out how uh, voice actors do this kind of stuff during COVID. If they do have home studio setups, etc. We will try and do an episode with more voice actors to find out how that's done uh, during COVID. They have the game fully voiced in English, which is fantastic. I'm a big fan of that. Persona 5 Musou or Persona 5 um, Strikers. It isn't a traditional Musou game. I was expecting this game to be something similar to Hyrule Warriors or One Piece Pirate Warriors or Dynasty Warriors Gundam. It's nothing like I've ever seen before. I've never seen a game like this in my life. And that's a good thing. It shocked me at first just because I'm a big fan of Persona, especially Persona 5, and I am a huge fan of the Dynasty Warriors series. So I was expecting this game to be badass, you know? I was expecting this game to be the best game ever. It isn't, don't get me wrong, but it is pretty good. At first, I didn't like this game, and I think the reason being is because of its first dungeon, or jails. So dungeons are known as jails in this game. They work slightly differently to palaces, but imagine them to be the same. And imagine the game in general to follow the same sort of story structure as Persona 5 did just with different characters. Obviously, I can't mention what the story is, but it's pretty much the same. You have this AI called Emma, which acts as the metaverse nav, allows you to enter the metaverse. Yeah, I can't really say much about it because of spoilers, so that's all that I can say. It's pretty much Persona 5, but with Musou elements. The way that you go in and attack enemies, you have a very wide map in most cases, at least in the first dungeon and in future dungeons as well. But in the first dungeons particularly, it's set in Shibuya, so it uses the map of Shibuya Crossing and different sections of Shibuya you may have not seen before within Persona 5. And it uses that wide open map in very interesting ways. Uh, there are puzzles, there are different chests to open, etc. And there's different vantage points in which you can launch an ambush, for example, from the top of a police van or on top of a lamppost. 
You can also do these spinning attacks from the lampposts as well within battle as well. You can use your environment in very interesting ways. In some cases, at least I think they have them specifically for boss battles, but they have these little elemental things. So it might be shards of ice or swords in the ground or a skateboard or a gargoyle or something like that. And you can launch attacks from it, different elemental attacks, especially if you don't have uh, someone that has Agi attacks or Bufu attacks or anything like that. It allows you to use your environment elementally. But sometimes I feel that the game gives that to you and I don't think it should. The shadows walk around similar to Persona 5 in the sense that they don't really manifest until you attack them. So the moment that you attack them, it's not just one shadow that appears. It's like a few, maybe 10, 20. For a Musou game, these are very smaller scale battles, but it works well for this game because you don't really want to be overrun with shadows. Although I do enjoy that, but I think for the Persona 5 fan that has played Persona 5 but has never played a Musou game, it might be overwhelming to them or maybe even repetitive and boring. So I'm guessing that's why they did it like that and it's fantastic as well. It gives an extra layer of strategy as well because if you're not, not really necessarily relying on your weapons as such, but you're relying on your Personas a lot more in this game and switching Personas, especially when you have less enemies, is very critical because you'll have enemies that are attacking all at once. Some will have certain weaknesses some will have certain strengths as well. You'll be fighting two shadows. One of them will have a weakness to ice attacks and the other one will have a strength to ice attacks or he'll drain ice attacks. So you have to be very careful in what time to use the persona, maybe using them in tandem with different characters' personas or quickly switching between personas so that you can get the best effect out of it. It's very strategic in that sense. And what I do enjoy is that when you press down that persona summon button, it slows down time for you, which is not something that we generally get in a Musou game. Uh, yes, we have seen it in Hyrule Warriors, at least at least Age of Calamity, when you get to use your um, abilities like the bombs, the magnet, etc. Basically, time slows down. Enemies do not attack, they just stand still while you're summoning your persona. And you can actually direct which area the persona attacks so it's more of an area of effect attack an AOE attack as opposed to just a singular attack which is fantastic. It does eliminate the need for Mabufu attacks or the MA attacks you know the ones that attack multiple targets at the same time because most battles don't have you attacking many targets for that use case right or you can attack one target hit their weakness and then do an all-out attack which is fantastic as well that's another thing that we need to talk about once you hit the weaknesses of an enemy you can do all-out attacks and that's done by pressing circle which replaces the Musou button in a Dynasty Warriors game so you may be wondering how is the game sort of button mapped which is very interesting because you've got your light attacks which is still square your heavy attacks or your charge attacks which is triangle circle has been reserved for all-out attacks as well as action button. So for example, I thought that this was used as a confirm button in the Japanese version because I have played the Japanese version. Basically when you're near a lamppost and you want to jump on top of it, I think in base Persona 5 you press X but in this game you press circle. So I thought maybe that was something between the Japanese version that hasn't properly been translated over but I understand now that because the all-out attack is not necessarily used all the time, this has been used also as a button to initiate special objects in the game, which is, makes sense. At first I thought it was just a mistake that hasn't been ported over properly. To summon your persona, you press R1. To use your gun, you press L1 to aim and R1 to shoot. So there's a lot of button combinations, especially when you actually do your Musou moves. In this game, it's called Showtime Attack. So the Showtime does return, but see it basically as your Musou attacks. 
There is no dual Showtime attacks as it is in Persona 5 Royal, which is a shame to be honest with you. I would have liked to have seen multiple Showtime attacks. It does change depending on who your Persona is. So if you're using Arsene, you're going to get a dark attack. If you're using an, uh, a Persona like Archangel, then you'll be using light attacks for your Showtime attack. It doesn't change for other characters, obviously, because their Persona is pretty much just the same. Their Personas don't change in this game. Everyone, though, has a separate Showtime meter. Obviously, you can't charge it. The only way it does get refilled is by attacking, and the easiest way to refill it is by switching between characters. So performing the baton pass, which is how you switch characters, it's done by the directional buttons. Um, similar to Muso All-Stars, Jesus Christ, Muso All-Stars actually uses the directional pad to switch between different characters. So we've seen a lot of things coming from other Muso games in that sense. So Koei are using their, you know, functionality a little bit. Uh, there is no Muso Rage by any means in this game, which makes sense because that would be a bit overpowered. But when you're fighting boss personas, they have a system in place, which is pretty much very basic. But it makes a lot of sense that there is a system similar to Tokiden. Like it feels very Tokiden-esque. You know what? I, I'm starting to remember that it basically is Tokiden. This is what this game is. This game is not a Muso game. This game is Tokiden. I didn't necessarily realize that until recording now. Especially when you're attacking and it, it sort of increases the amount of enemies on the field after you, you place an initial attack or an ambush. Wow, okay, this game is Tokiden. I've just noticed that now. The boss battles work in a similar way to Tokiden, in which you have a long health bar, but at the same time you have shields that you have to take down. In the case of Tokiden, those shields would have been monster parts, but in this game it's just a shield, so it's basically you have like five shields. You have to break down their shields first before actually landing an all-out attack on them. Pretty much similar also to Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity in that sense. And you can also do these follow-up attacks if you hit their weakness weakness, etc. Basically that lets you jump towards them and land an extra attack. Sometimes your characters, your supporting characters would want to get in, they want to be swapped out. When you do swap them out and when you do perform a baton pass, they will do an attack that doesn't consume SP. On the topic of SP, this game is still a Persona game, so you still have to worry about SP, you still have to worry about HP as well, and I often find that because of the way that the game is, you're taking a lot more damage first of all, and you're consuming a lot of SP. The reason why you're taking a lot of damage is because there's there is no guard function in this game. You cannot block, you can only evade by using the right trigger or R2, which makes the game a lot more difficult. You cannot guard anymore. You can use certain attacks and certain skills, which do consume SP to increase your defense. But if there is a large attack that you have to get out of the way, you have to hope that you can dash it in time, which is disappointing. But I understand why they do that, just because a guard mechanic wouldn't necessarily work in a Musou game like this. I do realize that the game is really hard because the fact that they've removed blocking and as a Muso player I don't really like blocking anyway to begin with and I don't like the idea of parrying or anything like that so I thought hey I'm gonna go in all guns blazing I got my ass handed to me in this game straight away I was like mm, you know what I'm gonna play normal just so I get a feel for this game I had to switch it to easy and I never do that in a, in a Muso game at all which actually goes to show how difficult this game is and goes to show how much strategy is important you have to think like a Persona player you can't think like a Muso player in this game because you get your ass handed to you but at the same time even if you are a Persona player playing this game for the first time I recommend just playing this game on easy just because you might not get used to the Muso style gameplay straight away maybe on New Game Plus go normal or hard mode or the new difficulty that you get after completing 
completing the game the first time. And I think that there is a lot for new players, at least Persona players, to get acquainted with because there is a lot of changes and that's what we're going to talk about after the break. A lot of changes to the Velvet Room, which I believe we can talk about. So yeah, we'll see you on the other side. Okay, we are back. I just want to talk about the changes to the Velvet Room. As you know, Igor is not there. Igor is not in this game. I can't remember if Eagle returned. I believe he did return at the end of Persona 5. But I'd imagine that the reason why we don't see Eagle is because of the fact that the Japanese voice actor for Eagle passed away. I believe they reused his lines in Persona 5 just because he wasn't there for that long. So they reused some voice lines from previous games. But also, there's a lot of characters that don't make it in this game. Iwai doesn't make it in this game. Takemi doesn't make it in this game. And they just find a reason why they're not there. They just make up a reason that sort of fits with the story but I'm guessing maybe because this is a lower budget game they didn't want to spend that much money on these characters you know the fact that their shops are closed gives it an excuse at least story-wise for a lot of the different functions in the game so you have Sophie or Sophia who acts as your shop so she will sell you healing items she'll sell you weapons protectors etc and she buys them from the dark web okay because she's an AI I get that it's pretty cool I was supposed to talk about the Valve room I didn't the Valve room has changed you don't have Igor anymore you have Lavenza Lavenza basically is taking charge while Igor is gone and she'll perform fusions for you although fusions work very differently in this game there's a lot of stuff that came from Persona 5 Royal in particularly. The fact that you don't need to summon the Personas and have them in your stock to actually fuse anymore. You could just pay a fee and it will summon the Persona for you and just use it for fusion, which is fantastic. And we need to see that in Persona games in the future. The one thing that bugs me a little bit is that this game has only one third of the base amount of Personas in Persona 5. So it's not including DLC, that's not including Royal's Persona, which is unfortunate. I would have liked to, to see more Persona in this game just because Persona 5 had a huge amount of Persona. There was a lot of variety. There was a lot of Personas that were fun just to deconstruct and build and refuse and do all this kind of stuff. And I felt that's kind of taken away from me. Fusion has basically been bastardized in this game and it will put a lot of Persona 5 players in a bit of shock just because it works in a very different way. I would say it works similar to Fusion in Persona 3 or maybe Persona 4 a little bit in the sense that one of your main ways of getting Persona is not through Fusion. It's actually through battles collecting Persona masks. So there's a few options. Because Lavenza is by herself, she can only do Fusion in a particular way, which limits the sort of creativity behind Fusion. It also limits the amount of Fusions that you can do, which is kind of upsetting to me. One thing that I found very annoying was the game will tell you what Fusion you can do. It won't let you select two personas randomly and fuse them. You can't do different types of fusions. You can't do the gallows. You can't do the guillotine. I think it's just, you know, those um, ancient Egyptian torture devices where it's like the spikes in the coffin. That's how you do fusions now. It's basically a regular style of fusion. Network fusion has been removed as well. There is no network functionality in this game, which makes sense. One thing that does annoy me, and I was supposed to say it before, was the fact that even if you had the two personas, if one of the personas is not ranked up to a certain rank it will not let you do the fusion and I think the reason that is is to basically increase the amount of fusion recipes for the decreased amount of persona in the game because obviously you would have a shit ton of fusion recipes to make one persona in persona 5 and in royal but because of the lack of persona in this game to sort of boost up the number of recipes they basically have it so that oh you can only fuse this persona if 
one of your base persona is this level minimum and i hate shit like that because then it means i need to rank up that persona luckily in this game there is a new function to level up personas using something called persona points or pp big pp uh, yeah I was a PewDiePie reference, but you need to have as much PP as you can. And it's just so stupid because the way you get persona points is by filling up your stock. So if you pick up a mask that you already own, you will get more PP. In Persona 4, actually in Persona 3, if you got a persona card, then I believe it would give you like, I don't know if it would give you like extra XP or something if you picked up a persona that you already owned or something like that, or more money or something like that. I don't know, but the PB system is pretty shitty. Every time you delete a persona from, not from the compendium, but from your stock, it gets transformed into PP. And the higher the persona's rank is, the more PP you get. So effectively you can pay to level up your persona. And what I mean by this is that you can delete your persona, get some PP, right? And then rebuy it from the compendium and just continue to do that. If you have enough money, you can continue to do that. And it's a hell of a grind. And I would not recommend it because it can only do it as, as high as your current level. So pretty much by the end of the game, um, what I see a lot of people doing is that they'll grind for PP, right? And they'll keep on summoning personas and then, you know, using them like that. And I think it's it's not that good. I don't like the idea of that. Um, it's pretty stupid as well. And another thing is the fact that there is no Arcana system anymore. So it doesn't even make a difference how you fuse your personas or, you know, your social links because there is no social links in this game. It doesn't make a difference. You can't really fuse higher personas than you could because of there's no social links. You can't do that whole thing with Igor where you can fuse beyond your level. You can't do that anymore. There's a lot of things taken out because of the lack of social links. I just felt a bit disappointed with the whole fusion system in scramble i don't see how we couldn't just get more a lot of the personas in battle as well when i realized they have filler enemies so you know the shadows before they take a persona form they're like these little guards or whatever you see a lot more of them in battle than you would expect to see that in itself is disappointing and i, I don't understand why they can add more personas in this game i understand yes that would make it a larger game but i think persona fans deserve more persona at the end of the day it's a persona game i don't know if Persona 4 had more personas than this game but I would imagine that it did. There is no real reason to fuse personas in this game. To fill the compendium yes but you don't get really a reward for doing it. You still get discounts etc but it's not that cool. There is another thing I did mention that social links were removed but they've replaced them with requests. So in Persona 5 you used to get mementos requests where you would do these different requests for people and progress stories, progress social links that way. But in this game you have a bond meter which basically replaces your social links and you have the request which replaces your mementos requests but the request can also increase your bond meter uh, give you more xp towards bonds not the best system i keep on saying that in this episode that these systems are there to you know replace these systems and i feel like we're going backwards in time as opposed to forward i don't see why those systems had to be removed in the first place um and one thing i keep on getting back to is probably because this game is multi-console right it's on the switch it's on the pc it's on the ps4 and i'm guessing the fact that the game is on the switch is the reason why they are doing this they're not putting as much features probably because the switch can't handle all this and i know a lot of people want persona 5 on the switch but can the switch even run persona 5 that is a question that i want to know but that's besides the point i know 
know Kobe does that a lot. They sort of take away features from the game because they fear that one console won't be able to get it and they don't want to do a case where one console gets a completely different version of the game than another console. Like certain games did in the past, like Dynasty Warriors 6, how they got Dynasty Warriors 6 uh, special you know, for the PS2. Well, you know, in Europe we had just Dynasty Warriors 6 on the PlayStation 3. But for Dynasty Warriors 9 Empires, the reason why it's not open world is because the open world cannot run on Switch. So I have a feeling that maybe they've dumbed down a lot of these systems that were pre-existing in Persona so that it can run on the Switch. Back onto the point with the new system regarding social links, right? Not social links, requests. These requests can increase bond levels. So you have a request from Ahn, oh, go and buy me some parfait or go and do blah, blah, blah. And when you do that, it doesn't really increase your social link with Ahn because there is no social links. It increases your overall bond level. And when you increase your bond level, you get these bond points, which you can spend on different perks, which basically replace the confidant perks that you would get for leveling up a confidant because arcanas don't exist anymore in this game. It's more of a universal take on it and that kind of stuff. I, I do like the system, but it doesn't feel Persona 5 to me. I feel that this system would have made more sense in a game like Persona 4 or Persona 3. And because of all of these things taken away, the game does really feel nostalgic. It makes me feel like I'm playing Persona 4. It makes me feel like I'm playing Persona 3. That's not a bad thing. It just might be a bit off-putting for Persona 5 fans. That being said, we're going to go on a small little ad break. And then when we come back, I'm going to talk about what I actually enjoy about this game. I didn't know that I was going to say that, but you know what? Let's do that. See you on the other side. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Crunchyroll. Go and check them out at getlifepodcast.com forward slash Crunchyroll for a 14-day free trial of Crunchyroll premium service that means anime without ads 1080p hd you can watch it on all your favorite devices your tvs your phones whatever even if you want to watch it on your chromecast you can as well that's amazing go and check them out 14 day free trial you've got the most diverse collection of anime and manga on the internet so go and check them out it's a no-brainer lads getlifepodcast.com forward slash crunchyroll thank you crunchyroll for sponsoring this episode of the podcast this episode of the podcast is also brought to you by the lovely people at Japan Crate. Japan Crate offers a unique experience of Japan through monthly crates filled with candy. And who doesn't love candy, right? Japan Crate brings you a delicious selection of snacks every month. You can check it out on our YouTube channel for $35 a month and you can cancel anytime. But I don't know why you would want to. Learn more at getlifepodcast.com forward slash Japan Crate. Remember, use the code GALP for $3 off on new subscriptions. So, getlifepodcast.com forward slash Japan Crate. Use the code GALP for $3 off. And if you want to check out what snacks that you get in the crates, go and check out our YouTube channels. Links will be in the description. So, go and check them out. Thank you, Japan Crate, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the wonderful people at JList. JList brings you the latest anime and otaku goods from Japan directly, whether that's anime, manga, cosplay, import game, visual novels. JList has got you covered. Learn more at getlifepodcast.com forward slash JList. And remember to use our link and the code GALP for 5% off on all purchases on JList. That's including pre-orders. Remember, getlifepodcast.com forward slash JList. Thank you very much, JList for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. 
Hello, this is just a reminder for you guys to check out our Discord page. If you go to getlifepodcast.com forward slash Discord, join our Discord page. Join in on all the discussions that we're going to be having, whether it's in our gaming channel, our anime channel. Go check us out there. Hopefully in the future, we'll be doing our giveaways. All podcast giveaways will be done via Discord as well. So make sure you join in on the fun. In addition to that, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Get Life Podcast. If you like what you see here, follow us on Twitter. We'll be posting new episodes, videos, announcements, things like that on Twitter as well. So be sure to check out our Twitter page if you want to be notified of all those kind of stuff. Anyway, back onto the episode. Okay, we are back for the final segment. Uh, in the previous segment, I know I sounded a little bit drowsy. And I think that's probably because I recorded it at like midnight when everyone was sleeping. But you know what? We're back with Energized Bish. We took a little break, had a little bit of coffee, even though I don't drink coffee, but there you go. I did mention that this game feels like Persona 4 and Persona 3. I do understand that it may be a bit of a shock for Persona 5 players, especially people that have played only Persona 5, but I liked the nostalgia. I liked going to these different cities in the game, uh, exploring different cities. Obviously you do explore other cities apart from Shibuya because the game works in such a way in which you're actually going on a um, summer trip across Japan. I can't say much more than that because of embargo, but going around all of these different cities, it just feels like traveling in Persona 4. You know, traveling around Inaba and speaking to all of these different characters and getting to know their stories and interacting with them on a smaller scale. You know, sometimes Persona 5 can be very busy and it was a big departure for the series in a good way, but at the same time, I just like the fact that I could just chill, you know, just go around these small areas, visit shops. I know it was dumbed down a little bit, and it may seem that way for existing Persona 5 players, but it does remind me a lot of Persona 4 and Persona 3. A lot of in-game things remind me of that. Even the fact that, you know, you can cook in this game, which is something that I don't think you can do. Well, you could technically, you could cook the curry in Persona 5, but you can cook in this game. It kind of reminds me of, you know, Yunarakami when you go into the fridge and, and, you know, you can cook random shit in the fridge. It was pretty awesome. You could do that. You can't grow vegetables or anything like that, but you can buy them. One of the reasons in the start where I said I didn't necessarily enjoy the game as much from the beginning isn't because it reminds me of Persona 3 and Persona 4 in the exploration sense, but because it reminded me a lot of Persona Q. I don't really have many good memories with Persona Q, and I think the reason that is is because I hated the Etrian Odyssey style of gameplay. I didn't think it felt Persona 4-ish, right? Coming from a game like Persona 4, I didn't like that gameplay at the time. Maybe I would enjoy it more now because I've played similar games to that, you know, like Moiro, Crystal H, you know, Undead Darlings, games like that, that sort of have the Etrian Odyssey style. I would have maybe enjoyed that a little bit more. Maybe I might go back and play Persona Q and Q2 again. That's actually the only reason I own a 3DS is to play those two games. But one thing that I didn't like about Persona Q was the fact that you had to draw out the map and it became incredibly frustrating. I couldn't really enjoy the game as such because of just fucking drawing the map out. And that's probably the reason why I don't like Q. And I I think maybe subconsciously initially the reason why I didn't like Strikers or Scramble is because the first dungeon in Q and the first jail in Strikers had the same theme which was Alice in Wonderland and that sort of put me off maybe on a subconscious level I was like oh shit I hate this 
but when playing other jails in this game it's incredibly great because there's a lot of flair and there's a lot of creativity shown within these other cities and other regions yes it's basically using the same map as the exploration area and just revamping it and adding a skin to it in many cases but it's nice to explore it in a more open sense and just they have different themes I can't talk about the different themes until embargo is lifted the different themes of these maps and these boss battles are just fantastic and they work really nicely I don't think you would have been able to see that sort of quirkiness in a mainline persona game you would see it to a certain extent but this is something that kind of reminds me more of you know a game like persona Q like I said or something like Catherine I know Catherine has some really weird and wacky character designs boss battle designs and you can see that kind of coming through in persona scramble which I do enjoy I've noticed certain things like I mentioned in the beginning that have kind of come from games like Dynasty Warriors and Samurai Warriors and, and little nods and references to them as well in particular with movesets and I think movesets are very important in this game because as you progress you get new movesets you get uh, additional movesets and stuff like that and power-ups to your existing movesets which is great I've noticed that characters that I don't use in Persona 5 or in the base game I'm using them more in this game I know Royal made it very uh, useful to bring characters like Makoto and Haru I never used to use Haru until Royal to be honest with you I never used to use characters like Yusuke at all I found him very annoying and I found him incredibly shit I know that there's a lot of Yusuke fans out there but I just found him shit in battle I wouldn't bring him in because I would have persona like Satan and Sataniel and all these personas that can do ice attacks far better than Yusuke and it was the same with characters like Ahn like after the first dungeon I would never really put Ahn in my team again it would tends to be more healer focused so I would have Makoto I was gonna say Ryuji sometimes I bring in Ryuji but it would be Makoto Haru and Mona they would be my main team and in this game I find myself using the characters that have better melee weapons so Yusuke because he has that massive katana fuck yeah he's incredibly useful in this game his moveset reminds me of Zhoutai from uh, Dynasty Warriors which is fantastic I love movesets like that I love the the whole smashing triangle to do as many attacks as you can within this one move it's amazing I use Haru a lot as well Haru can do some intense damage especially with the grenade launcher that she has of course she does have less ammo but the damage that she does is just fantastic the axe that she uses as well it's quite heavy but it does do a lot of damage especially if you can manage to pull off a baton pass in time because then she does this really crazy combo where she's jumping and she does a sort of spinning attack that's like similar to like a baby it's pretty awesome when you see gameplay you'll you'll know what I'm talking about other characters I like to use I like using Makoto just because she's very fast as well I don't really use her persona as much I use them mainly for melee attacks and Ryuji eh, I'm not really into Ryuji in this game I'm not really into Mona either I find that Mona really gets just beaten down a lot I'm not sure if that's his base defense is just that low or maybe I'm not used to Mona's attacks just because of how small Mona is Mona can tend to be more agile I've noticed that but Mona isn't necessarily one person that I'll put in my team. Uh, I've noticed that characters like Ahn as well, pretty much she reminds me a lot of uh, Kai from Samurai Warriors. Her moveset is pretty similar as you can imagine because they use whips. It makes a lot of sense in that sense. What else I enjoy is that every character has these combos and they integrate magic attacks within the combos that don't cost SP. So even if you're not using your persona, they will still use their persona, but you're not summoning the persona. It will be summoned automatically. Let's say you're doing 
doing square square triangle or something like that. Similar to EX attacks and that's how I would refer them as. I don't know how they're referred to in the game but let's just call them EX attacks. These EX attacks are just fantastic. They can let you use magic attacks or special abilities that would usually cost HP or SP and they do get more advanced the more you level up your characters. So that is fantastic. I like seeing that kind of stuff as I mentioned before because you use a lot of HP and you use a lot of SP just because of summoning the personas. There is one thing that I do want to address and that's the fact that a lot of the time especially later on in the game you find yourself using Joker a lot and that's just because Joker is OP. He has the ability to use multiple persona and you know I find myself having more fun not using Joker and if there was a way that I can remove Joker from my party I would do because there's so many other characters that are just fantastic. Sophie is one of them. Sophie's just fantastic. She has the yo-yos which is very reminiscent of uh, Bao San Yang from Dynasty Warriors. She has a lot of aerial moves that are similar to Bao San Yang's Muso attacks etc which is fantastic. Like I said I find that performing baton passes at the right time really helps you in stuff like boss battles because you can just do a lot more damage and I think that is what the game is about using that strategies and just fucking shit up and I love it. I love that about Persona 5 Scramble and I just want to end this episode really saying that if you are a fan of Persona 5 fucking buy this game just out of the story reasons alone because it is technically a sequel or a continuation. I don't necessarily see it as a sequel just because it sort of follows the same story arcs as Persona 5 did. I would say it's more of an OVA right <laughs> like kind of like an anime you know how you have an OVA an original animation that's tends to follow the, the first season of a show, it kind of feels like that. But nevertheless, because it is a canon story, if you are a fan of Persona 5, please play this game. It will take you some time to get used to the new Musou mechanics. There are some people that I think shouldn't play this game and what do, what do I mean by that? I am talking about these Musou fans. If you're just a fan of Musou games and want to play every Musou game that Koei makes, don't buy this game because you're going to be ruining the story for yourself. There's a lot of spoilers from the original base Persona 5 and you may not like the characters and you may not even understand the game as it is, especially with the new Persona mechanics etc. So what I would suggest if you are a fan of Musou games like me, play Persona 5, experience Persona 5, especially now if you own a PlayStation 5, Persona 5, the base game, is free if you have a PSN account. And I believe last year they made Persona 5 one of the free games for PlayStation Network subscribers. So you may have already redeemed it and not realized that you have the game. So please play the game. It is like 100 hours or maybe like 70 hours to complete the base game, but you'll find yourself appreciating this game a lot more. Please do not go into Persona 5 Scramble or Persona 5 Strikers without playing the base game. You will regret it. That's all I need to say about that. But yeah, it's a fantastic game. And what do I want to see in the future? I want to see this IP thrive in the future. I want to see future Persona a scramble games but I want to see it in a way that you know brings in other characters right I want this game to be a replacement for the arena games I want it to be a replacement for dancing all night games not to say that those games are bad but I want it to sort of work alongside with that I want to see more of it because obviously dancing all night is not canon 
Neither is, um, or actually no, Persona 4 Dancing All Night I think is canon, but Persona 5 Dancing and Persona 3 Dancing are not canon games because I don't think they have a story to them. But I would like to see the Strikers IP be used for Persona 3, be used for Persona 4, because it'd just be great. Obviously you'd have to change some movesets around a little bit because guns are not necessarily included, but then it means that you could maybe introduce a block button because Persona 5 characters don't use guns except for now but no one really cares about Naoto except for Tyson. Shout out Tyson. I know he's listening to this episode. At least I hope he is. Yeah, I would like to see more games like that. Or maybe like a Warriors All-Stars style scramble game where, you know, it is one versus 1000 and it is more, you know, fixed maps without the puzzles, just a very dumbed down Musou game. I would enjoy that a lot, especially because you have the characters, you have personas there as well. You know, you can introduce characters like Marie. You, you have a lot of persona users and you can take advantage of that a lot more. Even if you're not using, you know, persona one and two characters, you could just use three, four and five characters and just get a lot with it. Possibly even making Hifumi as a main, you know, character or as, as someone who can use a persona because I believe Hifumi was going to be a member of the Phantom Thieves, but you know, she got cut, unfortunately. But you know, I would like to see characters like Kasumi, Hifumi maybe as well, in this sort of Musou All-Stars style Warriors game. That would be badass. I would like to see that. Especially, you know, crossing over into the TV world, Mementos, Tartarus as well. That would just be great to see. And I can see it working. I could see it working. Maybe in similar, I know I hate Persona Q, but maybe similar in the sense to Persona Q where you have different storylines. So you would have a Persona 5 storyline, a 3 and 4. And I think that would just sell really well. I have a feeling that Atlas really wants to milk the shit out of Persona 5. And we've seen that with dancing games. We've seen it with Q as well. We've seen it with Royal and we've seen it with now Strikers. So come on Atlas, I know you can do another Strikers game. Let's let's get on this. Let's do another Strikers game and let's include the Persona 4 characters and the Persona 3 characters as well. And while we're on that, just like bring Persona 3 to the PC. Come on Atlas, just bring Persona 3 to the PC and maybe bring Persona 4 to the Switch and Persona 3 while you're at it as well. Those games can run on Switch. You know what I would really like to see? And I, I, we've done this on an episode with Jacob before. I would like to see a Persona 3 remake or a Persona 4 remake with all of the Persona 5 elements and you know the the assets from Persona 5 and the character models from the Dancing All Night games you know these HD character models bringing them over and just remaking the games that would be so cool that would be amazing Atlas you know you want to do it you know you want to steal my idea it'll make you so much money and I know you guys love money so Let's do that, Atlas. Anyway, I think that's a good place to end this episode. We're hopefully going to do more episodes like this in the future. I know it's a bit difficult for me sometimes doing this one-man podcast. It's kind of nostalgic. Reminds me of the old days, you know, 10 years ago when I was talking about Call of Duty. Fun fact, we might actually do a Call of Duty episode coming soon. But you know what? If you want to see more, we're going to do more, hopefully. These episodes are a lot shorter as well. Remember, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do it is by supporting our sponsors, Japan Crate, Crunchyroll, and J-List. In addition to that, even if you can't support our sponsors directly in that way, what you can do is follow us on Twitter at GetLifePodcast. Join our Discord page, getlifepodcast.com forward slash Discord. 
and just spread the word about the podcast. The more people listening, the more it benefits us in terms of advertising and the more it benefits us in terms of growing a community and getting our voice heard. Because the reason I started this podcast was to have my voice heard, especially at a time when I couldn't have my voice heard in high school. So I still want to continue that. I still want my voice to be heard. I want your voices to be heard as well because this is a discussion. Talk to us on Twitter. If you think I'm chatting shit, tell me and we'll sort that out. Hell yeah. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and hopefully we'll have another episode next week. I can't make any promises, but I'll try my best. That being said, love you guys. Bye.